0: So we learned a lot of important things in the is cast, but I think the most important thing we learned is that someone on the writing staff of DS9 has a connection to Portland. That's nice of them. Because a few episodes ago, Cisco went to visit his sister in Portland, or talked about it. I don't remember which one. And this week, we get the Starship Portland.
1: Well, you know, that's... that's And
0: obviously, it's Portland, Oregon, because why the fuck would it be Portland, Maine?
1: Why would anybody be in Portland, Maine?
0: i um, assuming because their parents live there.
1: Well, that's very sad of them. But what's not sad is the ending of this episode, which is, uh, my li- well, I, 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 th- uh, I think it probably is actually, I mean, like the
0: entire combined fleet of the Tal Shiar and the obsidian order was destroyed,
1: uh, but we don't like the Tal Shiar or the obsidian, but it's order. still
0: sad. I mean, you know, Star Trek is about how all life is sacred and worthy of respect
1: You haven't learned anything
0: from this experiment. We're three and a half years into it, and you're basically saying, fuck anyone who's not human.
1: No, I'm saying, fuck anyone who's not human in the Tal Shiar or the Obsidian Order. Okay. So, Nabrentain is no longer with us? Maybe. Yeah could be
0: i mean they very much left that ambiguous as to whether or not he actually died he was alive at the end of the episode yeah we left him alive even though everyone on the ship was assumedly dead and he was crazy
1: yeah he cracked very quickly he cracked very quickly but i think in a way he's i don't know Olive is talking about oh i'm gonna go back like seemed a little crazy to me like yeah i think that I, i i i would say that not to say that he cracked quickly but that he was three quarters of the way there through the episode. And then once, you know, the Dominion fleets start coming, you know, that pushes him over the hump. Uh, but he, it, you know, he was, it would have been something else.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think in hindsight, you know, it, you, you look at the the events of last week, and you say, okay, here's a man who probably is not entirely with it. Um You know, it's funny, because Inauburntain's a very interesting character. And I think that yeah. this is really the first time in the Dias cast where we see maybe the real Garrick. And I don't know that we like him or not. How do you feel about it? Because, you know, it's funny. I think that, that when you look at Garrick in this episode and you look at his interactions with Tane, I think that what you see is Garrick is being, I think he is being genuine in this episode. I think that he really does have a, a respect and a love for an opportune for whatever reason and isn't couching it at all.
1: Yeah. But, and I think, I, I, I think Garrick is trying to have it both ways in a lot of ways. Like, he def- he doesn't, he doesn't want to torture Odo, in do- even though he does, you know. He does save Odo at the end when he can't, you know. He doesn't see a way of compromising between the two. He's choosing Tain because, you know, that's what he's doing. But he's not fully maybe committing to his role of torturer. In a way, there's a... There's a degree to whatever, uh, as lame as ex- as lame as this is, you know. Garrick chooses to torture Odo because he knows exactly how bad it'll get. Someone else would go further.
0: Yeah, I think so. And the the interesting thing I think there is that, you know, at the end of Improbable Cause, when when the the shocking reveal happens and Garrick goes back over to the Inobrentain side and, yeah. and wants to go back to the Obsidian Order, you know, it, it 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 makes sense. You know. Garrick is a character that we've we've come to know over the past three years as someone who is very uncomfortable in his situation, is very unhappy, you know? And, I mean, you know, remembering the events of The Wire, for example, this is a man who was essentially on drugs for years just to deal with the pain of his existence. Mm -hmm. And so who knows how he's dealing with that now? We don't really know. But uh, maybe he's going to therapy. I don't know. Uh, But the thing with this is that Garrick thinks that he can immediately go back to the way things were, that he can immediately go back to how he used to be yeah. before he was exiled. And I think what he's realizing first subconsciously and then later on in the episode, when he does make the explicit choice to help Odo escape, that this is a man who has changed. You know, he doesn't, he's not able to, to, to go back to this because he is a different person than he was when he was exiled.
1: Well, you know, all of the characters, that's kind of one of the ways you can sum up all of these characters. After their life on DS9, they can't really go home again. Um, You know, Odo is a very clear example of that. He can't join the changed things because, you know, he's against that. Kira has learned a lot of things and has gotten a different perspective beyond Bajor, and she's, you know, not quite as short-sighted. Sisko, you know, while he certainly, you know— feels that his home isn't on earth anymore. You know, we, we, so yeah, that, that seems to be one of the themes of where all the characters are, are, is going. And we're finding out that that's the case with Garrick because he doesn't, you know, as much as he loves a Auburn how could he crust anything?
0: What do you mean by that?
1: I don't know. Like just Garrick can't be the gung ho Cardassian, you know, that he wants to be Mm. because he is seen He's seen a bit of how the sausage is made. He's been left in the cold. He's been betrayed in a way he feels he may have been betrayed or falsely accused or whatever. And, you know, his sympathy – everybody's sympathies are a little broader from having – been in this, in on DS9, I would say. Well,
0: I think in a very real way, Garrick is a, is, a, is a good example of sort of the, I guess, the generosity of the Star Trek mythos or the Star Trek yeah. philosophy, because, you know, I think what is happening to Garrick here, we don't know exactly how long he's been on Deep Space Nine, of course, but it's been, I think we could argue, at least five years. I mean, he was on the station before uh, yeah. uh, the takeover, I'm assuming. He was there when the Bajorans yeah. had it, because he was kind of left over when the Cardassians left. Um, that... Here is a person, here is a man who has had direct contact for years with people that he used to consider enemies. And I think that what you see here is someone who is starting to really sub- I think he doesn't even realize he's doing it, but he's he's forming relationships with people that he probably would not yeah. have even talked to before. I mean, I think that, you know, bookending the the um you know, the two-parter with sort of like Bashir stuff is really interesting. It's a way to ground Garrick in what he is now, right? Mm. And I also think that he is not able to go back to the way he was because he. I think he's become a better person.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, I would agree with that very much. He's – Garrick is – star. I mean, part of the whole Boy Who Cried Wolf, you know, metaphor in the previous episode – has Garrick beginning to reap what he's sown and realizing that he doesn't like it. Yeah, You know, he is not in a situation where, you know, the ending of the episode where, you know, Odo kind of finally, you know, makes an overture and, you know, they, they're going to at least start to talk at least, mm-hmm. you know, wh- however close they will get there. They at least have gotten to some kind of understanding, even if it's just, they went through something together. Um,
0: uh, well, I mean, <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> I think Odo probably got the short end of the stick on that one, but
1: certainly. Um, and obviously, you know, Garrick has Bashir, but Gar- you know, Garrick is starting to. Gar- everybody knows that Garrick lies with every word because he's trying to get the most advantageous situation for himself. But,
0: but so I well, to interrupt you, but it just made me realize that that what you know Garrick is lying to everyone, including himself. Yeah, you know here I don't think that he's really you know we kind of I think in retrospect realize this now essentially that we've seen uh, Garrick make an explicit choice to go back to where he was and not try and go back to Cardassia, right? But uh, that that he's been lying to himself for for the past three years because he thinks that he wants to go back and he doesn't actually want to go back.
1: Yeah he's changed and he's not able you know a- and he's not able to admit it to himself because he feels that that may be denying you know the essence of who he is but right. at the same time it's very hard for him to get allies because he's lied to everybody else and everyone just assumes he's just out for himself and so you know when he's even trying to help someone you know when he's pleading with Odo you know please make you know stop it i'm going to do it as easy as i can and you mm-hmm, know all mm-hmm. i uh, you know Odo can't even believe him
0: yeah, well, I don't think Odo believes anything that Garrick
1: says, obviously, yeah.
0: because Odo isn't stupid. But, you know, <laughs> but, you know I th-
1: think there, you know, I, I don't think in this episode that, Gar- again, Garrick does make the choice to torture Odo, yes, but he takes no pleasure. He doesn't want to, and I think he's trying to— And he also ends it very quickly. That's it. I was going to say, he's trying to do—he's doing the barest minimum,
0: yeah, I mean, because the, the thing that always strikes me about watching the Dies cast is that I always think that the torture scenes take up a greater portion of the episode than yeah. they actually do. I mean, essentially, it's one scene it's, that lasts about three minutes. It's not long. And I think that that's intentional because it shows that Garrick is really not – his heart is not in this anymore. He's not this person yeah. anymore. He doesn't want to do it. and he's looking for a way to end it as quickly as he possibly can i
1: mean to a very real degree he's whether you know you and i would agree that torture is in every case immoral in every case ineffective and yet i i i think we can make a theoretical distinction to talk about this episode between effective and ineffective torture. Mm -hmm. Um, Garrick knows this is ineffective torture because he knows that Odo doesn't have this information. He knows that, you know, uh, he's, you know, not lying. He knows you know, he knows all of these things. He knows this is going to do nothing. Right. And he's still being forced to do this, you know? And so therefore it's almost torture for its own sake
0: well it's 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 torture as a like i don't know it's almost like a synecdoche for Garrick's loyalty. do you know what I mean like it's, yeah it's a way to represent it it's you know, it's, it's the it's, whole
1: raise this puppy and then kill this puppy, you know thing
0: exactly right, and I think that that you know what the interesting thing too is that um which I also just realized is they make a big deal at the end of the episode when um whatever the romulan commander's name is yeah. or the lieutenant or whatever the hell he is. Uh, when he The one who's really the Dominion? Right, What the one who's really a changeling, that they make a big deal about every time Odo interacts with another changeling about saying no changeling has ever harmed another. Well, didn't they, though? Indirectly, at least? Because the, the Romulan, who was actually a changeling, is the one who gave them the device to torture Odo with. So, in a sense, the changelings are themselves... You know
1: being well you you don't know whether that device would actually kill him or not
0: right but they actually say harmed they never say kill they say harm no changeling has ever harmed another
1: you know something part so, of, yeah. so these are these this is a group of people ape that shall have not kill ape very
0: um, very slippery yeah uh, justifications well, for what they're doing
1: but again there is a difference between you know I I can see a difference between You know we're going to make this torture device in order to get this larger plan. And frankly, I don't. You know, I don't know whether the torture device has seeped to the greater. You know, it's possible that you know the only Romulans or Cardassians who knew the plans for this device have been destroyed in this, and so you know. Right, but that's not really. There's a difference between that and actually shooting a shooting someone else. You know what I mean? But
0: but the real thing is though is that the Rom of course the changeling who's masquerading as a Romulan. Is directly the one who is giving yes. it to them to torture Odo specifically. It's not like, oh, we're just putting this out there as an option if anybody ever comes across Fair. another changeling. Like it's a decision that that changeling is making in the moment. So, you know, I,
1: I feel like that's maybe a little bit semantic, but I don't y- think it is. Know. I think it's really important actually I, I, because I think okay. that it
0: shows how far the changelings are willing to go and 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 how much they're lying. You know, like they, well, they're not I mean, lying they, to themselves, but I think they're all lying to Odo and they're lying to everybody else.
1: Well I feel that they've all you know there is a degree to which, you know, we kind of know that, but I mean it is good to see, you know, more
0: And if they're willing to go this far, well, how, I mean, much, this entire, how farther are they willing to go.
1: This entire plan, you
0: know, this is very much putting later events into context for me in a way that I never really connected okay. before, because they the, the the changelings do have other interactions with Odo well, that don't end well, and so okay, I mean not not to say that Odo dies or anything, I'm not you know saying that, no, but no, no, no. it is a pr- it is something that happens he doesn't later. get let
1: go so easily as he does in this right, um, okay, it, it's, I mean I think it's fascinating to you know to know how deeply embedded the founders have been in both the Cardassia, in both Cardassia and Romulus. You know, we, th- this the kind of planning that it took to know exactly what was going, because this is something that the Federation didn't know, that mm-hmm. half of Cardassia didn't know, that half of Romulus didn't know. Nobody and, apparently knew that. Yeah, it. exactly. But, you know, the, the founders kn- knew it's you know, knew these undercurrents, were so clear right. that they were able to manipulate them into this whole, this crazy ambush. I mean, that's – you have to wonder – so they've obviously infiltrated the Federation as an obvious, you know. <laughs> the, I mean, yeah, I the, don't – that goes I, without – I, yeah. I, I, I think you can confirm that without spoiling it. Oh, me. yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. They have some plan in motion – to destroy the Federation, to to take care of Bezier. I mean, they they explicitly well, you, they explicitly say that at the end. You know, yeah. something like you know we have other plans in motion, and
0: and you've got a very good read on the situation because that is something that does become a very very strong undercurrent. I think through at least part of the fourth season. Yeah. So that's that's coming.
1: I mean. I could see the show getting kind of paranoid about that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good read on the situation. Yeah, leave it at that. These, but I, because let's pl- face it, changelings now can replace people. Yeah, essentially, but they always could. I mean, that's the thing. Is yeah, that, but we did. You know, we didn't
0: to a very real degree. I guess the question that I'm 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 wondering is that I want to pose to you is what do you think the changelings actually want? What is their end game? Yeah. Because one of the things that I think is interesting about the dominion and one of the reasons why I think it's such an interesting adversary for the show is that it's, it's kind of unknowable. We don't know what they want, and I think that's kind of why everybody in the Alpha Quadrant is having such a problem with them.
1: I mean, you they, know, the the Cardassians
0: yeah. are understandable, the Klingons are understandable, the Federation is understandable. You know, the Romulans are understandable. They're all understandable. The Federation understands what they're doing. Everybody else understands what everybody else is doing to a certain degree. And of course, yes, there's obfuscations going on and gradations, and everybody has you know a uh, uh, secret police and intelligence and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Um, but. It, what what is what is the dominion's endgame here? They're 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 kind of they're kind of like a a a, a, a cipher at this point.
1: Well, you know, they definitely want some kind of control. I mean, the, their name kind of gives some hints that you know they they wish to have control of whatever they say. You know, so there's some amount of that. Again, you know, we talked about their origin story that we learned in uh, the search, where you know they claim to have basically been bullied by everybody. You know, and now they're. You know, in a way, they're like, a, you know... We they're said, the bully, become the bullies. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, in a way, they're like a kid who gets bullied in high school, you know, grows up, you know, goes in you know, and wants... Go, to,
0: goes into high finance and destroys the world economy.
1: Exactly, you yeah. know, because, you know, wants to own the gas station that his old bully is working at. Like, I think that's, you know, what... you know. I like that I went really high with that and you went really low with that. But <laughs> hey, anyway. uh, I mean, that, you know, again, we, we have... I think we made it clear that to whatever degree that their story is accurate it yeah. still doesn't excuse. No, of course not. You know, and so but I think, I think it, it's interesting that their that their motivation if that is kind of you know cuz that's kind of how I see it it's almost juvenile in a way. It it's totally but in a is. very interesting but very interesting to be a juvenile reason. And I
0: think it's interesting that they're shunting the federation off to the side as well in this episode because you know the the the, the changeling even says as much and of course they might well, be lying. Well, the, I would say the I
1: implication think, I got from that is, listen, you know, do you know how long it took to do—we're we, we going to have a party to celebrate the fact that we killed the, the Romulans and the Cardassians. You know, we'll deal with the Federation in another episode, you know? I mean, Come on.
0: I don't think it's going to be a surprise to you that the end of Deep Space Nine is not the destruction of the Federation by the Dominion. No. You know, that's okay. not where this is going, but— it, it, it's, but know, the conflict is going to come to a head. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, I think that that you know, at this point, with kind of the reveal of the Dominion, the reveal of what exactly is going on, the sort of like buildup that's happening, you know, I think that you can probably see that at least on a on a narrative level, it would be very yeah. unsatisfying if something eventually doesn't happen, right? I mean, you yeah. can't just kind of do this for four more seasons.
1: Oh no. Um, and frankly, I don't know whether or not the Dominion will be the fo- like. there is the Dominion plot, there is the Prophet, Spazier, or Cardassia plot. Like They're very intertwined, but they are kind of two different fronts, and I'm not sure whether they're, you know, it's possible that, you know, the Dominion plot gets resolved at the end of season five, and then we're dealing with, you know, Cardassia in season six or seven, or vice versa, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Or if both of them just kind of go in parallel and then, you know, tie up at the end. I don't know. But, you know, we're going to find out.
0: No, we're not. Actually, this is the last episode of Truck About. Totally kidding. It's not the last episode of Truck
1: About. Why would you joke about that? Uh,
0: yeah, I think so. Well, let's let's move aside from, from kind of the, the global political situation for a second, or galactic political situation, I suppose, and, and talk specifically about Odo in this episode, because I think that there's... You know, there's something revealed in this episode that I I, I don't think is is su- I don't think it's a surprise necessarily, mm. but the way it comes out is shocking. You know, this reveal that his big secret is that he actually does want to go back to his people. Um, now, of course, I, I don't I don't know. Were you surprised by that? I mean, I, I don't I don't think that that's that surprising. But no, I it's mean, it's also a very dramatic moment for for Odo and for us. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. Odo has always wanted a home, and I think there is a part that Odo—it's not—I mean, I would say it's a little more, you know, sophisticated than perhaps that exact—than than the thing he blurted out in the middle of torture. But I would say Odo doesn't want so much to go home as he wants to be the kind of person who wants to go home. Like, you know— Okay. In, in, in a way, um, I mean, thinking about, you know, my own self at times, you know— There you know, so many of my classmates, you know, just stayed in the same town that, you know, where they grew up, you know, and they have families, you know, and that's not me. That's not who I am. You know, there is never a point when I would say, oh, I wish I could go home and get married. But there are times when I say, you know, gee, it would be easier if I were made that way. Mm -hmm. I think there is a part of Odo where he is. He knows how much easier all of this would be if he could have just gone home and Or been home the whole time and been around his people and not had this feeling of, right. you know, misfitness. Because, you know, as we've said, you know, when he's he's too Dominion to feel completely at home, you know, where he is, but he's been around, you know, humanoids for too long to be able to fully go back well, and, and, and accept I, what the Dominion says. Well, and I
0: also, I mean, there is a biological component to this as well, because mm. I think that Odo is not fitting in in a way that... Uh, he would much more be able to fit in if he was just a normal, you know, Star Trek bumpy-headed alien. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, they're, they're, they do go out of their way to indicate that changeling society and culture is very different from what he is experiencing living yeah. on Deep Space Nine. I mean, I don't get the sense that the changelings are having actual conversations with each other. No. I mean, this is a benefit for the audience more than anything yeah. else. You know I mean? And so, you know, there's there's an element to which I think that Odo experienced the great link and he experienced what it is to, to, to kind of like be with his people. And, you know, we don't exactly know what it is. I think we can kind of like make assumptions that it's all, you know, beautiful and wonderful. Yeah. And it's a, it, you know, a, a conflagration of, of thought and emotion and all that stuff.
1: You Ooh, know? Like on that planet that uh, Dax almost married the guy from. Um, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, uh, yeah, I could see that. But um,
0: but yeah, and so there is an element to which I think that that you know, Odo saying that he wants to go back to his people is less about him actually wanting to go back and more about him wanting to to experience the the emotion of belonging somewhere. I think.
1: You know, I think there's a degree to which you know his feelings for Kira have to be in play too, because sure, you know. I think it's very possible – you know, Kira obviously doesn't think of him in a romantic way. You know, she loves him deeply. She cares for him. She's in love with Kai Wen. Yeah. Well, you know, they they, they have some really great tension. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Kira cares for Odo as much as she can care about another person. Um, And yet, in a way, because he is so different from her, I don't think she even – Considers the possibility of, of a romantic relationship with him, which would not be the case if he had been somebody who had been humanoid from the first place. To a degree, I don't know if that's necessarily the thing, but I don't you know. know. I,
0: I, maybe I don't know. I mean, I think that that there's an element to which I don't think that Kira thinks that Odo has those yeah. kind of emotions. But you know, but, because but because if he were
1: humanoid, she what, you know she wouldn't. Think twice about whether he had them or not, you know? True. She almost seems – you know, I I think there is a degree to which her not developing romantic feelings from him is partially out of respect for him because, oh, he wouldn't be interested in that, you know? I – you know, wouldn't want to. And so she's got, she's very happily got it into this. All right. You know, we're like brother and sister, you know, Odo's my best friend. I could tell him anything, you know, and.
0: But I think, well, this might be a weird tangent, but I think that also does tie back into the last scene of this episode mm-hmm. where Garrick is in his shop and trying to make the decision whether or not to rebuild it. And Odo is coming and saying, hey, let's have breakfast sometime. Yeah. Oh, I didn't think you eat. Oh, I don't eat. You know, like there is a sense that Odo is kind of coming halfway to an uh, understanding that appearances and kind of meeting people on their own terms is important. And if he doesn't eat, that's yeah. okay. If he doesn't actually ha- want to like, he he might, I, I don't know. Does he actually you know, have like this sort of like biological determinism to like have sex? I don't think so. But I would say, but,
1: you know, I would say that that kind of detail was that because that the, con- the conversation at the beginning of the previous episode, that was where, you know, Garrick is telling Bashir, Oh, you know, you need to slow down, you need to savor your food, and you know, Bashir is saying, Right. Well, you know, you can either eat or talk. You know, you can't really do both at once. I mean Sure. Oh no, very says, you know, you don't eat, yeah, but I can talk to you, you know. I that that's kind of paralleling that. Like sure, obviously yeah. eating Eating is irrelevant and eating is just kind of the pretext for having the conversation. You know, that's really Odo saying, obviously, that's really Odo saying, look, you know, I'll be your friend. I'll talk to you. You, know? and <laughs> you need somebody you can be honest with. I gave you my big secret. You know, you can give me yours.
0: True. And I think that that, you know, in terms of great world cultures that enjoy leisurely meals, with a lot of conversation, I don't necessarily think of the English, so I guess that might be part of it, too. I mean, I think, you know what I mean? Like, I think that that uh, uh, the indication is, you know, sort of that, like, um, Dr. Bashir is more a product of
1: the British Isles yeah. than... I mean, because I think they would look... No, no, you, know, you, it, you see know, somebody in, who's you, Italian or French, you know, you think of them as... You know, enjoying a meal of the luxury of food of the well, such, yeah, because yeah. It, I
0: think I mean I, you know, this is jumping ahead to the next episode a little bit, but but there is a, an undercurrent in explorers really where the friendship between O'Brien and Bashir is one of 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 that kind of essential Britishness do you know what I mean like they're singing that song and oh are yeah. drinking
1: together you know so it's
0: and yeah I know that that O'Brien is Irish and you know, Bashir <laughs> is not but, I
1: mean just say you've got it you're gonna get so many angry uh emails
0: yeah but I mean
1: you know the culture of Ireland is it, it was formed
0: by the I, by the I, British I, in a large degree so yeah but but there are differences certainly but so yeah anyway I think that that's part of it too okay yeah, so at the end of the day, the Dominion went out of their way to uh, completely decimate the Tal Shiar and the Obsidian Order. I mean... Uh, the Obsidian Order is no longer uh, essentially a powerful force, I guess, on Cardassia. Mm-hmm. Neither is the
1: Tal Shiar. Not that the Tal Shiar were really... You know, the Talshiar weren't really the victory so much as the Obsidian Order, of course, but, you know, that's a very nice hat trick that they, you know, came back and... And know, I think got. at this
0: point, you know this is an open warfare because of course yeah. this is still two secret intelligence agencies plotting a covert mission to yeah. destroy you know the the founders but at the end of the day this is not going to uh 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 it's not going to make the Romulan government no. and the Cardassian government very sympathetic to the Dominion
1: well you know what what's really interesting is so i mean on Cardassia itself, you know, we've been talking, there's the military, there's the Obsidian Order, there's the civilian government. Well, one of them's been crippled. Yeah. So that's going to, you know, lead to some very severe consequences on Cardassia very quickly. No, they just ignore that. Okay. No, they don't. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's, that's, no, that's like, true. It, yeah. It, it, it's suddenly one of the players in the power struggle is not really such a big player. I mean, that, that has been the thing with the Obsidian Order. Mm-hmm. No matter, you know... Their function in most of the episodes have been has to show up at the end and be like, but we're the fucking Obsidian Order, bitches, mm-hmm. you know, and, like, just Trump everybody, and now they can't do that.
0: Oh, let's not talk about Trump. Let's just not. Don't even mention that word to me. <laughs> anyway.
1: what if uh, You know, maybe the Obsidian Order and the Tal Shiar should make a mission to uh No. I would not talk about assassinating political figures on this podcast. Please don't. Please don't. If you would like to assassinate a political figure, please visit us on Twitter at... uh,
0: And this actually is the last episode of Trek about (laughs) We are now being investigated.
1: Um, Yeah, I think that that it's true.
0: And and I guess this is another example of stay tuned, essentially, because uh, where this goes and where the power players go and where the different powers in the Alpha Quadrant end
1: up... It's gonna be a ride. I like rides. Okay, and you know who else went on a ride?
0: It was Jake and
1: Cisco. Yay! And explorers. This was like a very light hangout episode. I love this episode. Nothing I think it's like nothing adorable. of consequence really happens. You know, I don't we, agree we, with we, that. Well, well, I mean, in terms of. Sp- I don't know. In terms of stakes, it's not like, you know, someone's in, you know, de- they're in minor danger through a couple points of the mission, but it's not like, you know, they're about to get to war like they were in the previous episode compared to where they were in the past couple episodes. Yeah. This is just, you know, a father and son bonding over a project and, you know, a guy angsting about an old classmate of his. But yes. it was some very rich character work. And I, I did love this episode, too, because it was. Number one, we needed a break after uh Dia's cast, I think. Um
0: Yeah, after the world you know, the, the galaxy <laughs> shattering implications of what just happened in the Diaz Cast. We get a very, very small episode. We get one that but it's really good. But they've done you know, and... they've done
1: that a few times in the series. Like they tend to do that give a breather episode sure. or two. And I think in a very but it's usually a very well paced thing because, you know, it's usually a very funny episode that we get or, you know, just a cool one. And, you know. Well,
0: again, I know we talked about this last week or the week before, but. This is, again, really the show, I think, finally paying off the dividends of, of really yeah. creating these really strong characters and, yeah. and, and, and taking the time to build these different relationships between them. Because, you know, you, I don't think you could have done this episode two seasons ago. I don't think it mm. w- I mean, you could have, but it wouldn't have worked nearly as well. You know, I think that having Jake be a little bit older now, trying to figure out exactly what he wants to do with his yeah. life, you know, this whole thing about him not wanting to go into Starfleet from a couple seasons ago, and now he wants to be a writer, and he's, yeah. you know, essentially writing. I think it's interesting because... What you see, I think, in this episode and sort of, again, I think in all of the the episodes so far this season is that the show is, it, it's much more willing to, I think, play with serialization a lot more yeah. than TNG ever did, certainly. And it's one that is kind of, I don't think you could watch this episode out of context. I don't think no. it would work.
1: This is a very, uh, for example, all of the stuff surrounding on, you know, where Cisco is character-wise in this episode is very much dependent on the fact that he has come to peace with Jennifer's death, especially after having the mission in the mirror universe a few weeks ago. That you know he had that date with that woman, which uh, you know Jake very you know briefly mentions. You know that Jake is getting to the point where he's he old. Didn't have the date. He said he had a date. You know, Jake says you know you, the last date you had was a year ago.
0: Oh, that date? Yeah. Well, I don't even know what date that was. But I yeah. thought
1: that was the lady who like who disappeared. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, it could have been her. I guess. Um, that was that was the assumption I got. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think you so, know. And- yeah, and and I I think you know Jake's worries about his father are adorable in this, but you know he's at a point where he can contemplate. Leaving because a year or so, yeah. you know, not only with his age, but where his dad is, you know, was not at a position to be. But well, this episode is
0: all about about people and organizations moving on. Yeah, you know, Jake is is moving on. He's growing up. He wants to go away to school. Um, he's trying to get his father to move on and start dating again. You know of course Bashir is moving on because he's more yeah. confident he he's in a different place than he was when he graduated from medical school in this sort of like relationship with um this woman that doesn't really know who he is yeah, you know I think the the friendship between Bashir and O'Brien is definitely progressing. yeah, and I think also you know to a large degree this episode is about the the Bajor and Cardassian relationship kind of moving Going on as well yeah no, so yeah it's,
1: it's so it's it is i yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think about that explicitly watching it. But yeah, it is a very nice symmetry that everybody is kind of in a very similar plot or they're taking the same theme in different ways. So I yeah. guess one of the easier ways, maybe we want to just take this plot by plot. Sure. Cool. Let's do it. I liked all the plots. Great. The end. this is the quality. uh
0: No. Um. Well, let's talk about the smaller ones first. So, I think that that the the B plot with Bashir is interesting enough. I think that what it really indicates is that, um, you know, they they bring up this thing about the preganglionic nerve, well, yeah, blah blah blah. Um, I think that maybe they kind of indicate that this Elizabeth Lens character is probably not that intelligent because. What the fuck kind of name is – our Andorian name would Julian Bashir be? But anyway. You know. No, she's fine. She's very (laughs) smart, obviously. She's Uh, a doctor. I think it's interesting because there's a couple of weird things there. I think it's about Bashir kind of coming to terms with the fact that people are viewing him very differently than he views himself.
1: Well, you know, this is kind of the next step from that awful episode, you know, where they mention, you know, about the preganglionic nerve in the first place. And, you know – The second place. Third
0: place. um, The – Distant Voices was the second time they mentioned Uh, that,
1: as we talked about. The second place. Don't just fucking ignore me, Richard. Fuck you, Eric. Okay. You know, that episode ended with, you know, Bashir, you know, avowing that the decisions that he'd made, he was standing by them and he had had a better life. This episode is kind of the follow up confirmation that, no, you did make the right choice. I mean. Uh What this reminded me of, I had a buddy of mine who a few years ago, you know, had broken up a relationship, you know, and had a shitty job and, you know, a lot of bad things. Went to his high school reunion and, you know, everybody was married and, you know, hating their marriages, hating their kids, hating their jobs. And they're like, oh man, you're in a band, you're in New York, you know, and stuff. And that's essentially what happens to Bashir here, you know, he's not, you know.
0: That seems like an apocryphal story. Who goes to their high school graduation and like goes like i hate my life nobody does that reunion yeah reunion yeah nobody does that oh well,
1: this guy i think your friend was lying to you he, he was a big liar i think he was uh but the point is that you know bashir is no liar um uh, but yeah that's essentially what happens here you know is that he he did always have this what if you know i had gotten valedictorian had got in my place you know she's so much better than you know me if she you know Number one, it confirms that the flip side of he lost by one question means that she won by one question. You know, they were extremely close and, you know, it could have got, you know, the, the implication, you know, from what she's saying is that it really could have gone either way for either of them being valedictorian. You know, sure. they were that, you know, at, near each other in in school and. He also gets, you know, the notice that, you know, I don't. Like,
0: I mean, I don't know that much about how grading works, but I kind of doubt that one question on a final exam would be the deciding factor, but whatever it's, you know, you know it's, it's, it's a TV show. We can just go TV with it. It's a TV show. Yeah. I think um, so. And, you know, one of you the, you know,
1: he gets the confirmation that life on the ship wouldn't have been being Dr. Crusher. It would have been, as she says, just a boring charting mission.
0: Well, and I think that part of that is a sly wink at the audience because, you know, the criticism of Deep Space yeah. Nine has always been, well, they're on a space station; and they don't go anywhere. They don't do anything. That's not what Star Trek is. Star Trek is about going out there, new yeah. life and new civilizations. And of course, you know, the, the, the setup in Bashir in universe, having the choice of his assignment, going to Deep Space Nine, the one that is ostensibly the boring and safe one, quote unquote. Yeah, And she's going off and she's going to be on the adventure and she's going to, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's it's in-universe, it's kind of making sense because it's making Bashir out to be a much more interesting character to the other people on, on in, in his profession, yeah. right? But it's also a, a, a meta-commentary on of course, the idea of, of Deep Space Nine as actually not being as boring as people make it out to be. and And that, you know the 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 star trek not not every ship is the enterprise you know like yeah. there are a lot of charting missions that go on for years that nothing ever really happens
1: i think but i think the series has made it clear that you know there are sh- other ships where nothing's happening there are other ships where interesting things are happened but happening but you know they don't have a problem saying that this particular group of people are exceptional i mean they've said that about the cast of Next Generation, they say this about the cast of DS9. You know, there is a differentness that, you know, whether it's just that they happen to have more interesting things happening to them because of where they are, but or they just rise to the occasion a little, tiny bit better.
0: Well, I think that's probably partly both. Yeah. I mean, you know, and of course, also partly it's because they have a television show <laughs> about them. I mean, you know. Um, yeah, and and I don't know that there's much else to say about the Bashir thing. I mean, the other part of that, of course, is that – um You know, with Bashir and O'Brien, I don't know what what are you making of that friendship now? Because it's
1: like it, it's adorable. Like I loved the scene when you know O'Brien's, you know, avoiding saying you know that he's like I don't hate you, you know, right? You know, like that was it was cute. They they just had a cute little bonding scene, and it's adorable. No, but. I like that they finally managed to figure out how to be friends with each other cuz yeah. there is a degree to which they irritated each other at the beginning, you know. I think they, still, I was, think they still do though. But they always will. I mean they're, they're, their their the relationship is turning a little brotherly. Like I think yeah. they they they're, they are allowed to have equal amounts of, you know, absolute irritants and annoyance, you know coupled with very strong loyalties and love and you know in a way both you know, both sets of emotions depend on each other, I would say. Yeah, I would say so. So it's nice that they're getting to there.
0: And then of course we get to the the Jake and, and, and Commander Cisco plot. That's huge. But I like it because it's you know Tiki in space. Jake hasn't been around much recently. Yeah. And I think the last time we saw him was probably in the episode with Nog. I think he
1: was in that episode.
0: Um, Yeah, I remember he's like, oh, ha,
1: ha, ha, you want to go to Star Trek? Great.
0: You want to go to Star Trek? (laughs) (laughs) They're already in Star Trek. Um, Yeah, and so it's nice because, Jake, you know, it's funny. I don't know why... Ceric Lofton is a main cast member like there he just disappears for yeah. large stretches of time I, I don't know it's weird it's a contractual thing I guess but yeah and so what I like about it is that again it's just that nice father son relationship that the the show is very willing to to go into depth with to mine you know there's there's no there's no pretense involved there's no like artificial drama here it's just They're two people that love each other, and that they want them to be happy. And
1: I think it's nice. The moment I really liked from this episode, and it's very small, is when he shows Cisco the story, and you know, Cisco doesn't you know goes, "Oh, it's good." He doesn't immediately goes, "Oh, it's the best." You know, he doesn't. He isn't effusive with praise. He's actually kind of critical about it. Yeah. You know, and I also you know which I liked very much because he you know, and I really like the way that Jake. Take You know, he's disappointed for a second but then realizes that, yeah, no, it, that would be a good suggestion and, you know, this would help if I were to, you know, when I get a little older, get him a little more – perspective. I think that's a very productive way of, you know, looking at the assignment, you know, from both perspectives. But um, Well, I
0: think also it's, uh, it tells us a couple of things. Yeah. It tells us what kind of father Cisco is. And yeah. we, we have obviously known Cisco as a father for a while now. We know that he is – uh uh, that kind of father but also it's just one more indication of that and i think the other thing of course there is that jake is growing up and that jake can take the criticism he's you know in, in a way that i don't know that he would have necessarily at the beginning of the show
1: and i mean it does come from a very good place on cisco's part in that he is both he is supportive of his son but also in a way that you know is pushing him to a place that he knows he can get to you know at some point
0: yeah, because I think that in a lot of ways, the the Cisco's plot is about maturation, of course. Yeah. And it's the, the maturation of, of Jake, but also the maturation of their relationship, because Jake is, you know, he doesn't want to leave partly because he's feeling protective of his father, yeah. partly because he wants to stay and experience life. Um, partly because he's scared. Partly because he's scared. Ugh. There are all these factors involved. But also, it's it's he's he's taking an active interest in his father's happiness in a way that I don't think he really did a couple of years ago. I mean, yeah, that's a marker of maturation, so of mean, worrying about your parents and how they're doing as people. Yeah, he's um, getting
1: to the point when, you know... It, his father's taking care of him, but he's starting to give that back to him. And yeah, went. yeah.
0: Which is another indication, of course, that Sisko is a really good father. Yeah. Uh, especially since, you know, it, they had a, a tragic loss, you know, a few years ago when, when Jennifer died. Yeah. Um, but, but also at the same time, you know, it's not incidental that, you know, number one, Cisco is building a Bajoran ship. And I do want to talk a little bit about that. But also it's that sort of maturation of the Bajoran-Cardassian relationship. Yeah. Because It's just another way that after the peace treaty, they're kind of opening up to the idea that they are not equals maybe, but Cardassia and Bajor are starting to normalize their relations a bit. And, you know, that whole thing about, um, Hey, you did this. And now, Hey, suddenly we found these ruins (laughs) and it's kind of like wink, wink. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Obviously they knew, you know, the entire time, obviously, you know, Gold Ducat, who it was great to see him again. Um, You know, part of his job was to kind of softly convince Cisco not to do this so they wouldn't have to admit that. But it doesn't – you know, it's very low stakes at the end. It's just minor embarrassment of that, if that, from the Cardassians. And because they're Cardassians, they're able to come out of it seeming magnanimous, you know. Yeah. They they have a beautiful fireworks display and they make this, you know, grand speech and, you know – Everybody comes out looking great at the end. <laughs> you know, it's it's just, all right, fine. They're know. like,
0: all right, we won't let you die. <laughs> we you won't know, let you suffocate to death.
1: No, it, but, you know, it's true. Like, I I was, were, you know, was wondering if at the beginning, all right, is Goldicott planning something, you know, was going to happen. But, you know, that's not it. And, you know, it even ends with Goldicott kind of uh, impressed, you know, that they did this. And, you know, he respects you know, Cisco for doing something that's pretty ballsy. Let's face it. Sure. Yeah.
0: And I also think too, it, 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 it goes a long way again towards showing deep space Nine's commitment to not creating artificial drama. You know, because you could definitely yeah. see a version of this episode where you know the Cardassians are working to stop Cisco from doing this. And, you know, but it's yeah, it's not that's what that. I thought
1: this was going to be. You know, when they start having problems, you think, oh god, you know, or is someone firing on them? But
0: I mean, it's just a way, essentially. It's a really creative way to get. Jake and and, yeah. and Ben in a room together for mm-hmm. the episode. You know, I think that they could have done it in another way, of course, if they wanted to have this kind of episode. But it it it's a really, I think it's a good example of how the show is really good at layering things in a way that is really unique to Star Trek, I think. You know, TNG certainly did some of this, but... It it didn't do it as consistently as Deep Space Nine, and Deep Space Nine so far has been bringing in elements from all over the place and really working them together.
1: Yeah, I mean, for a moment it was, you know, how he's talking about you know doing these archaeology things at the beginning. You know, that seems almost Picard like. But when he's doing this project, you know, it ties to when he was going camping in that uh, in the Gemstar episode. You know, yeah, he, Cisco does like outdoorsy, sportsy things, and so yes building a ship and you know going on it you know try it is totally with as wheelhouse you know and it's well yeah because it's like you know it's funny because
0: at the very beginning of the episode when o'brien's like why the fuck would you want to do this yeah. like you know O'Brien's like i wouldn't want to do this it would be tiring i do this for a living yeah you know, like i don't want to spend my time constructing a ship and cisco's like well it'll be fun uh, you know and i think that really says a lot yeah. about what kind of man he is well, that he's yeah. just gonna do this because it's fun this is his hobby Right. You know, I mean, of course, why does he have time to do this? He's the commander of a space station, but you know, you kind of have to go over that a little bit. Maybe it took him a few months to make it or something. Yeah, this is the episode does play a little loose with the timeline. You
1: know, we yeah, we're seeing some behind, you know, the past, you know, maybe this is during the season, like we've seen little scraps, you know, this is taking place, you know, in, in between episodes.
0: It could be interesting though. I mean, I think if if you extrapolate this out to, to how television is made now, it probably would have been over a season or so. Yeah.
1: You know, he, at the very beginning of the season, he does the plans and there's a, se- a scene or two, you know, in every episode where he's working on it. Yeah.
0: So, so what do you, Jake is a hard character to talk about, like I said, because he's not in every episode, but from what you see in this episode, what what do you think about where he's going? Like, because they do essentially set up no- Nog as kind of, I guess, the the person that we thought maybe Jake was going to be at the beginning of the show. Someone who was going to go into Starfleet and was going to follow, yeah. follow in his father's footsteps. And, of course, that's not happening. Yeah. But Jake is making his own path in life.
1: Yeah. And, you know, again, he's... I've always taken him as kind of the next phase of the Wesley type character. You know, instead of you know, Wesley did all did everything he was told to do, and then at the end made it you know made a hard right and but and did it on his own. But still, in a way, that's you know what he did was not that diff at the end is not that different from joining Starfleet and seeing the if if in, in terms of de- sure. you know in terms of concept, if not degree sure. Um, and now here we see. You know, it's interesting the view that the franchise has always had of the humanities, because even though these are very science-minded characters for the most part, uh, they are all have an appreciation for the arts, for yeah, archaeology, yeah. for crafts, for literature. You know, again, we you know Doctor Bashir and you know Garrick talking about you know Shakespeare is a is a perfect example of that. But I think this is the first character that we've ever seen fully wanting to go into the arts, at least who's a main.
0: I'm trying, I'm thinking, I I think you're right, but I also like the fact that, that Jake is not a genius. You know, like he's obviously, I just like the fact that he's an average kid. I mean, he's, you know, he's not Wesley. Um, I think, you know, he's, he's just, he wants to do something. He has some talent for it. You know, maybe he's going to become a great writer. Maybe he's not. But you know, yeah, he's a much more realistic teenager than Wesley ever was. He's a
1: seventeen-year-old who knows how to write a you know a story that has you know some good moments. Uh, give him a few, you know, give him a ten years to hone his writing style and you know get some more experiences. And I think the you know the series makes it clear that if he. You know, if as long as he applies himself, he'll do a good job with it. You know, he's just young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, really, exactly.
0: And also, you know, the other thing, too, of course, is that, you know, Jake is very invested in his father's happiness in a way, too, because now we get this nice little uh, subplot where he's trying to set up Cisco yeah. on his date with this freighter captain, you know, <laughs> and it's like, what the hell is this about? Like- it's just nice. I mean, I don't know if it's gonna go anywhere, but you we'll
1: know, the, I I like that. You know, yeah, because because Jake's always loved hanging around like the docks. You know, that, right. that's been the thing. He's you know, his, his and nog he and nog bonded by just watching people and you know just. Everyone got to know him, you know. Obviously, as oh, those two kids who hang around, you know. So he's always like hobnob with weird people. Yeah, you know, and so. Who- but I guess
0: it makes sense in a way too, because you know, if 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 you take the conversation where Cisco says, "Look, you're writing about things you don't yeah. really know," it, it it makes sense that you know this is con- this may be growing out of Jake's love to be around people and environments that he's not familiar with. He's he's hungry
1: for life in a way. He's getting stories from people. Probably half the stories he's writing are, you know, stories that he heard from other people, but imagining himself in the role, you know? Yeah. yeah, And, but yeah, that's not a bad place to start.
0: And I guess the final thing to talk about before we wrap this episode of the podcast up is, is just the kind of concept behind the ship in general. Uh, not not really about the science of it, although it's it's I like it. It's interesting. It's a fun little take. On, it's a on, cool visual design. Yeah, absolutely. But more about what it says about kind of where Bejor was and how far they've fallen in a way. Because you know this was a this was a people that were sending ships into yeah. space 800 years ago, even before the Cardassians. You know, this is a technology that we've never seen before, and they were able to you know, this is a very adventurous and sort of, uh, I think in a way, it's it's kind of sad what happened to them. And also, you know, it's, it's not, I don't think it's anything that's ever really explored that much, but the implication always was that the Bajorans are a very, very long-lived culture.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, again, this is, you know, So this seemed to be a direct, you know, in a way, retelling of the Contiki Expedition. And, you know, we have plenty of examples of lost technology, you know, on our our own planet. Sure. Civilizations who, you know, went in decline or, you know, turned out to have more of a history than we expected. Yeah, remember when the Romans had cold fusion. (laughs) um, You know, but, but, you you know, you think of, you know, there are a lot of countries that we would say, you know, you know, people would say they're not technologically advanced, but, you know, had a great, you know, history of, you know, education and learning. And, you know, it's nice to see the richness of Bejor. And finally, again, I think the importance is that at the end, it's, igno- you know, it's Cardassia finally acknowledging that, you know, no, these people, you know, these people did have, you know, glory once upon a time. And maybe we helped to snuff that a tiny bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think the open question at this point is whether or not the the kind of Cardassian reckoning with this is is real or not.
1: I think Cardassia is trying to move on as well as they can while admitting as little as they can, you know. While at the end, you know, at the end of this episode they have no choice but to not only acknowledge but go one step ahead and celebrate it. Mm -hmm. But um, they'd prefer not to. And there are a bunch of things like this, obviously, that they would— Prefer not to deal with
0: <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, you could say the Cardassians don't want to deal with things until they're forced to.
1: Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that was the entire point in Duet, you know. True. Is that, you yeah. know, Cardassia has to come to a reckoning of what it's done, and there's n- it's never going to unless it's made to. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, whether this treaty is their attempt to be okay without having to really say they're sorry, you know, that that's kind of what I think Cardassia's advantage in getting this now is they kind of see it as their way of, you know, getting out of this kind of as cleanly as possible.
0: Yeah. 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 I think so. All right. Well, a good week this week. If you have thoughts that you would like to share about either of these episodes of the show, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at trackaboutshow.com. Go to our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash TrekAboutShow and uh, give us some money if you feel so inclined. We have some cool perks there. Also, our social media username where you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is TrekAboutShow. And finally, please leave us an iTunes review. It's been a little while since we've gotten one and Richard and I are sad. Very sad. Make us happy with an iTunes review. Next week... We are talking about the episode's family business and Shakar. Oh my God, he's from Babylon 5.